0: And take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 50, if you would. Genesis chapter 50, I'm going to start reading in verse 15 and down through verse 21, and I'll ask you to follow along silently as I read aloud. I'm not sure if this is preaching tonight or teaching. Uh, One preacher said, I'm going to teach with occasional gusts of preaching. I think it may be something like that. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, the Bible says, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, thy father did command before he died saying, so shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive I pray thee now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him, and his brethren also uh, went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Father, thank you for the opportunity, the privilege tonight to be here in your house with your people. Thank you that we have whole Bibles in our hands that we can open to the book of Genesis and read these verses in our own language. What a blessing. Father, thank you that we have this time and I pray that you'd please allow me to speak tonight on your behalf and that as I speak to the ears of your people, that they would hear your voice in their hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. The name Joseph means to let him add, to let him add. Everywhere that Joseph went, he made it better. What a neat characteristic to see in a man, to let him add. You know, if you go to a restaurant You go in and you sit down and you eat, and then you leave some money and you leave. You're not expected to do more. In fact, it'd be a little bit strange if you went back in the kitchen and started helping to make the food or started doing the dishes, or if you went in the restroom and started cleaning. That would be strange, because you're expected to go and eat and leave money and go. Church is not a restaurant. Church is a place where you're supposed to come and eat. Spiritually speaking, we feed on the Word of God and we leave our money in the offering plate, but that's not all. Church is a family. It's a place where we're supposed to do more than just eat and pay and leave. It's a place where we're supposed to make it better, looking for opportunities to add. Joseph was that kind of a man, that kind of a personality. As a boy, Joseph had a pretty horrible home life. In fact, there's a lot of people in the Bible like that. I think it's interesting that God is just very open about the humanity of the Bible. The fact that in the Bible there are broken homes and blended homes and single moms. I think of Timothy whose mother was saved and his father was unsaved. Even our savior Jesus Christ was raised by a stepfather. And that's the reality of life. But when I look at the childhood of Joseph, I see an extremely difficult situation. Joseph had three stepmothers, 10 stepbrothers, one stepsister. His mother died giving birth to his only blood brother, two illegitimate nephews two of his uncles were murderers who destroyed an entire city and his entire family hated him. I don't know what kind of a home life you have, but it's probably not as bad as Joseph. He grew up in a very difficult situation and yet, as you read the story of Joseph in the early days of his life, you find someone that dreamed on behalf of his family and seemed to have a very good spirit. In fact, when his brothers were out watching the sheep one day and his father called him and said, hey, I want you to go check on your brothers and bring back a report and see how they're doing. And, uh, and uh, Jacob told Joseph where his brothers were. Uh, I looked it up between the Valley of Hebron and Shechem is roughly 49 miles. Now he didn't say jump on your four-wheeler. He didn't say drive over there, catch a ride with a friend. When he said, go check on your brothers, he meant walk at least two, maybe three, maybe even four days journey, just walking to go check on his brothers. And do you know what Joseph's response to his dad's request was? He said, here am I ready to go, dad. And so he started walking. And when he got to Shechem, he found that his brothers weren't there anymore and uh, found a a man that he did not know and said, hey, have you seen 10 brothers watching some sheep in this area? And uh, the man said, yeah, they've gone on down the road. And so Joseph happily walked another 12 or so miles until he got to Dothan. That's a long way to walk. But here am I. I'm not here for what I can get out of the family. I'm here for what I can give to the family. And so Joseph happily went on and found them. And I think that he was trying to make things better. See, every one of us have a battle in our mind between what we think should be and what is. And what we think should be doesn't involve problems, doesn't involve sickness, doesn't involve bills or debt. What we think should be is very seldom what reality is, and yet somehow, somewhere along the way, we pick up an idea in our mind of what things should be, and then when the reality doesn't match that, our tendency is to get discouraged, to get disheartened, to start thinking that maybe God's not fair, something's wrong here, someone else isn't doing right, because here's the way I think things should be, and here's the way they actually are, and there's a long distance between the two. But I read the story of Joseph and I see a young man who I I promise nobody ever looked at his family and said that's the way it should be. Nobody ever said my dad should have four wives, that I should have to grow up with all these stepbrothers or half brothers. Nobody ever said "I, I should be the one that gets hated even though my dad loves me the best and gave me a coat of many colors, everybody else despises me. Nobody ever says that's the way it should be. But if somebody gets in their mind, well, that's the way it should be. And this is the way it is. And therefore it's not fair that hinders them from being, being able to add to that situation and do good. Joseph found his brothers and something horrible happened. He was betrayed, nearly killed, and then sold by his own brothers for 20 pieces of silver. He was sold and taken down into Egypt and put on a slave block where he was auctioned off like, a, like a, uh, a, a piece of equipment. He was purchased there by Potiphar and brought to his house. And I imagine he could have been bitter. He could have been standing there on that slave block, talking to himself and saying, this is just so not right. This shouldn't happen to anyone. What I've just gone through the last few days, being thrown in the pit and, and thinking my brothers were going to let me die, and, and then being hauled out and having a, a moment, a glimmer of hope very quickly, and then realizing they're just selling me off to the uh, to these Midianite merchants and uh, handed over to the Ishmaelites and dragged down into Egypt, and now here I am on the slave body. This is not the way it should be. This is not right, and he could have been brought to Potiphar's household with a very bitter attitude just a just a ball of anger but would you take your bible and turn back to Genesis chapter 39 verse 4 and let me show you what happened when Joseph got to Potiphar's house Genesis 39 verse 4 and Joseph found grace in his sight and he Joseph served him Potiphar And he, Potiphar, made him, Joseph, overseer over his, Potiphar's house. And all that he, Potiphar, had, he, Potiphar, put into his, Joseph's, hand. Joseph got sold as a slave, brought to the household of Potiphar, And rather than have a bitter attitude of thinking this is not the way it should be, this is not fair, I've been treated wrong, my family hasn't been good to me, life has not been good to me, he got there, he looked around, he said, well, here's the situation I'm in, let's see what I can do to make it better. And he began adding to it to the point where Potiphar noticed out of his whole household, here's one slave that goes above and beyond and eventually put his entire household under the authority of Joseph. Look at verse 5. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field, verse 6, And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Joseph served so well in an unjust position as a slave that Potiphar trusted him. And Potiphar said, I, I've, I've bought slaves before, never, never seen someone behave quite like this guy. He doesn't moan and complain and groan and, and wish he was somewhere else. He just takes what he's given and does the best he can with it. And the more I give him, the better he does. And I'm just going to let him run everything. And after a while, the Bible says, all that Potiphar knew about everything going on in his household was when he sat down at the dinner table, he, know, he knew what, what food was on his plate. Just turn it all over to Joseph. And, And I think sometimes that we have situations happen in our lives that are not fair. We have people treat us wrongly. People disappoint us. Situations don't go the way we wish they would. And our response is to get an attitude about it and think that God's not fair. This is bigger than us. I've often said to my children, the situation is not about the situation. The situation is about your spirit in the situation. You know, when you get a flat tire on your way to an appointment and you know it's going to make you late, did you know that God already knew you were going to get a flat tire? God's not surprised by the flat tire. He is concerned about the spirit that you have. Do you know when somebody disappoints you and lets you down, that doesn't catch God off guard. God already knew that was going to happen, but he is concerned about how you handle it. And I think one of the reasons that we have this amazing story, 14 chapters long in in the book of Genesis, about this young man is because God is showing us someone who went through probably something more horrific than any of us will ever experience, and the entire time managed to keep the right spirit and continually say, how can I make today better? Then of course, Potiphar's wife framed him. He was doing the best he could there in that house and she attempted to seduce him. When that failed, she falsely accused him and Joseph ended up in a prison cell through no fault of his own. Things just keep going from bad to worse. Now he's in prison and, like every prisoner, doesn't feel like he should be there. Doesn't seem fair, I didn't deserve this. But in this case, he literally shouldn't have been there. He was lied about, he was framed, and he's now in a prison cell. Can you imagine living in a household where your entire family hates you and then being sold to be a slave? and then being framed by your slave owner's wife and ending up in a prison cell and and sitting there and thinking to yourself, how in the world can it get worse? Where do we go downhill from here? I'm in jail in a foreign country where nobody knows me. How, How bad can it get? And then Joseph, as he typically does, looks around and says, well, here's where I am. Who can I help? What can I do to make this dirty, dingy, dank prison cell better? Look, if you would, at verse 21, Genesis 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You say, well, it seems like God's favoring Joseph. Yes, he is. He shows him favor, he shows, because God does show favor to people that keep their spirit right. And God is blessing Joseph in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. That's talking about Joseph. Whatever happened in the prison, Joseph was the one doing it. Look at verse 23, and the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him, that's Joseph, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Joseph has been failed by, hated by his family, sold by his brothers into slavery, framed by his boss's wife. He has every reason in the world to say, I have got to look out for number one. Nobody cares about me except me. Nobody's protecting me except me. Nobody's taking care of me except me. I've got to take care of myself. Everybody he's tried to help so far has hurt him. And he keeps going further and further down. And while he's in prison, he says, how can I help? Until the keeper of the prison, the warden, if you will, says, you know what, Joseph? Why don't you just run things? I'm going to go over here and play a game of cards with the other guys. And Joseph's running the whole prison block. One day, two men show up. One is Pharaoh's butler, the other is his baker. Both of them have been accused of doing wrong and thrown in prison. One night, both of them have a dream. Joseph hears about their dream. He sees their their fear. He sees their sullenness. He sees that they've closed themselves off from the rest of the prison population. And Joseph says, boy, I know how that feels. And then he does what he normally does, and he says wonder how I can help. Must be some way I can make this situation better. And so he goes to those two men and he listens to their dreams and he tells the dreams. And of course, one dream is bad news. You're going to be taken out of prison in a few days and you're going to be hung and the birds are going to eat your flesh. And the other one, you're going to be restored to your position. Hey, by the way, When you get there, would you just do me a favor? I don't deserve to be here. I got framed here. Would you mind just putting in a good word for me once you're out there among the general populace and and, kind of pull some strings and get me out of here? And of course, the butler in gratitude says, hey, I get set free. I'll help you as soon as I get out and completely forgets about Joseph. Isn't that horrible? Have you ever done something for somebody and they never even said thank you? Doesn't that give you the warm fuzzies when that happens? Don't you say, boy, I wish I could just do something else for them right away? No, when you go out of your way to be a blessing to somebody, when you try to help somebody, and then they totally forget about you, don't even think about you again for two years, that hurts. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. You've made sacrifices, and nobody acknowledged it. You've served in areas, you've done the hard jobs, you've done difficult things, and nobody calls your name, nobody writes you a thank you note, nobody says anything. Did that stop Joseph? No, he just kept on faithfully serving. I think it's amazing that a few, two years later, the Bible says, after two years, that Pharaoh had a dream. And when Pharaoh had the dream, he said, I wish somebody could explain the dream. And imagine the butler was standing there holding his glass and said oh oh my goodness i i, I forgot all about that guy down in the prison hey, hey i know somebody that can explain your dream and and uh, he mentioned joseph's name to pharaoh and pharaoh said go get the guy And they went down there and and they couldn't bring him right away the bible says he had to stop and shower and change his clothes and shave and i uh, mean he was living in prison he wasn't at his best but he cleaned all up and they brought him before Pharaoh and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream and I want you to explain the dream. Now, here's probably what I would have done right there. And maybe what you would have done. Says Pharaoh, let me just explain what's happened in my life so far. I mean, you gotta know what I've gone through to get right here. Can I tell you about my, my three stepmoms? Can I tell you about my 11 stepbrothers and sisters? Can I tell you how much they hated? Do you know what they did to me? They threw me in a hole and they were gonna let me die. But then they found out they could make money off me. And so they sold me. Can you believe that? Now, before I talk about your dream, you need to hear this. I got sold as a slave, brought here to Egypt. And I gave my best for my slave owner. And you know what? His wife framed me. You need to understand that I shouldn't have been in prison. I can just see him standing there just unloading the truck and saying, I don't need to help you, but everybody's done me wrong. Everybody's worked me over. Everybody's taken advantage of me. Everybody's hurt me. Why should I help you? But that's not Joseph. Let him add. And so Pharaoh says, Joseph, I had a dream and nobody can explain it to me. And Joseph said, well, tell me the dream It may be that God lets me explain it to you. And so Pharaoh told him the dream. Of course, you know, the dream, the, the seven fat cows and the seven skinny cows and the seven healthy ears of wheat and the seven sick uh, ears of wheat and, and Pharaoh told it. And, uh, and Joseph explained the dream, gonna be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And then Pharaoh said, now what are we gonna do about that? Boy, what's the answer there? And Joseph gave them the solution. If you read your Bible, he said, institute a 20% flatline income tax and put that into storage for seven years. And then when things get rough, you can feed the people with it. And he instituted, well, he gave that idea. Look, look if you would, in chapter 40, 41, Genesis chapter 41. And I want to read verses 37 and 38. And I want you to see the observation that this unbelieving, unsaved ruler says about a guy who has gone through hatred from his family and being sold into slavery and being put in a prison cell unjustly and being forgotten about by the people that he helped. Look at what Pharaoh says about Joseph here in chapter 41 and verses 37 and 38. The Bible says, and the thing, this is the idea that Joseph had, and the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such an one as this is, a man in whom the spirit of God is. Isn't that powerful? I mean, how did Pharaoh even know about God? How did he know he had a spirit? But he met this man who's gone through hardship after hardship after hardship and betrayal after betrayal after betrayal who comes out of prison all cleaned up and saying, hey, how can I help you, Pharaoh? I'm here to make your life better. And Pharaoh said, where are we going to find somebody like this guy? This guy's got the Spirit of God. That kind of tells me that if we have the Spirit of God in us, that our focus is not gonna be on the last person that hurt our feelings. Our focus is not gonna be on the last person that let us down. Our focus is not gonna be on the last time we felt like life wasn't fair to us. That shouldn't have happened to me. I'm better than that. Our focus is gonna be on, here's where I am today. Everything that happened happened because God allowed it to happen. How can I make somebody else's life better today? Can you imagine if all of us as a church family came together on a Sunday morning saying, whose life can I make better today? How can I make church better today? I don't wanna come like it's a restaurant and sit, listen to the sermon, put my money in the offering plate and walk out. How can I make it better? Who can I encourage today? What kind word can I say? What visitor can I make feel welcome today? What song can I sing with a little more enthusiasm today? Maybe I need to use the altar today. Maybe I need to help somewhere. Maybe I need to volunteer for a job. How can I make my church better? Let him add. If we come to church with the spirit of Joseph, what about the next family reunion you go to? Well, you don't know my Aunt Ethel. <laughs> oh, man. If you knew what she did to me, I don't, but God does. And I guess pretty much everybody in, in here has got somebody that's an Aunt Ethel. But you can still do good and make, make the family reunion better. What about when you go to work? Anybody at your workplace ever let you down? Anybody there ever disappointed you? Has anybody where you work ever not acknowledged what you did the way you thought you ought to be acknowledged? You can go to work every day carrying that huge chip on your shoulder or you can go and say, you know what? I I work where I work and God knows where I work and God knows I work with humans and so I'm just gonna try to make it better. And be like Joseph, let him add, let him add. Here's a man who's been treated so badly, hated, betrayed, framed, imprisoned, forgotten, but everywhere he goes, he works to make things better, not concerned about praise or thanks or receiving credit. What kept him going? Go back to Genesis chapter 50, if you would, and look at verse 20. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. Here come the brothers. Dad's dead now. They're afraid Joseph is finally gonna let go with all the revenge. He's only been holding back because dad was watching, but now that we buried dad, boy, are we in trouble. And they went and they told him an elaborate story about, hey, dad said after he's gone, you need to take good be good, be good to us and forgive us. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I, they may have just been, covering their back. I don't know if they were just making it up. Maybe it was true. But they came and they said, Joseph, please, please be nice to us. And Joseph makes this statement in verse 20. He says, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. You see, God had to use that hateful family and the selling into slavery and the framing by Potiphar's wife, and the years in prison, and the forgetfulness of the butler, so that Joseph could one day stand in front of Pharaoh and interpret that dream and save the entire world from famine. God's got big plans for us if we'll keep the right spirit as we go through the hard times, because the hard times are still part of God's plan. It's just the steps to get us to where he wants us to be. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 is called the Romans 828 of the Old Testament. Can I read Romans 828 to you? And we know that all things work together for good. All things, all things. The people that hurt you, the people that forget you, the people that lie about you and criticize you, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. God is doing something, let Him use you to make something better.